Drive Time on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. When investment performance matters, make sure your savings are with Zurich. Visit zurich.ie to find out more. Ruth Gurmahagad. Now, as we've been discussing, the Football Association of Ireland, along with officials from Sport Ireland, were in front of the Oireachtas Public Accounts Committee earlier today in a hearing to examine issues of oversight and governance around the funding of the FAI. And as we heard from sports economist Declan Jordan before the news, a lot of time was spent discussing the fact that the FAI's chief executive had received almost €12,000 last year as a result of a throwaway remark. And there was also a lot of discussion about COVID support funding being used to pay down debt, all that and much more besides. Brian Stanley is Sinn Féin TD and Chair of the Public Accounts Committee. He joins us now from our Iraq the studio and on the line we have Orla McElroy, sports editor of the Irish Daily Mail and Irish Mail on Sunday, who was also following the proceedings today. You're both very welcome to the programme. Um, Orla, I might come to yourself first and it didn't start well, did it? Because there was a big furore really by getting all the paperwork in on time. Yeah, that's right, Sarah. It was all late arriving to the PAC this morning. Um, The FAI had been asked to provide their documentation by, I think, six o'clock yesterday evening. It didn't arrive until 8.45 this morning with the hearing due to commence at 9.30am. So not a great start. Sport Ireland and the PAC were both waiting on that documentation. And apparently it was due to legal advice which the FAI were taking last night in relation to what they could and couldn't provide to the PAC. And that was in a meeting which went on until, I believe, midnight last night, where they discussed what was what was going to be brought forward to the committee today. And of course, the paperwork, when it did arrive, much of it was heavily redacted. Very heavily. There's uh, there's one email which um, you would imagine uh, details the crux of the issue here, which mm. Jonathan Hill explained and he read out a line which he said was contained within the email. It's redacted. It's, I mean, entirely blacked out apart from an FAI logo and some logos in relation to an email sign off. So there's no way of clarifying whether this was, you know, exactly what was in the email. All we have is Jonathan Hill's word, which is that he made a throwaway remark about negotiating the same for him in relation to holiday packages, a line he says was not meant to be taken as a request. Hmm. Um, stay with us, Orla. We have Brian also on the line. And, and just before we get to, the, I suppose, the more substantive issues um, at play today, Brian, just to, in relation to the late arrival of the documents and, and the fact that much of them, and indeed, as Orla says there, the key one, arguably, was so heavily redacted. What's your reaction to all that? Uh, good evening, Sarah. Well, it's the first time in my in uh, during my tenure as chair of the Public Accounts Committee that, that I've seen a, a document completely redacted. The dated email isn't even on it. Uh, the as the, the previous speaker had said, it was simply just had a logo on a page and and a, and a, above that a pile of black lines. And I think that you know the issue of the legalities. I put it to the CEO and I didn't get a credible answer. To be quite honest with you, that if it's about protecting. Uh, uh, a member of juniors, a junior member of staff, mm. uh, or legalities, you certainly could, you could, of course, you could redact part of it, and that's that's not abnormal to do that. That happens, and I would have accepted that. But I think I think what this is, and people will draw their own conclusions from what happened there today, from what I've seen of the documentation and what what transpired at the hearing. There's a big credibility issue hanging over the explanations that were given there this morning. I certainly don't buy them. 
Okay. Um, just in terms of the documents arriving late, I know that one of the board members, Catherine Guy, said, you know, we know we were late with those documents. She said, I can assure you there was a significant body of work to be done and we did take some care. Um, so I, And I know they started actually the, the hearing, uh, the members uh, who were there from the FAI, with apologies for how late the documents were. But we will move on now to um, what but you're talking uh, about there. In answer, in answer, to, that, in answer to that, though, Sarah, that was nearly two, there's over two months to get this stuff together. And I don't believe that... Uh, that legal advice at the last minute, uh, you know, somehow put a spanner in the works or held up things. I believe this was about putting it in late, uh, putting it in late so as the members didn't have a chance to actually assess the documentation and to peruse it and to come to, to draw conclusions from it. Okay, so you don't expect, accept the explanation? No, no, uh, it's, 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 a case, it's a case of lobbing it in at the last minute and hope we can get through the meeting quickly. That's what okay. that was. Well, uh, okay, so that's, that's, I understand that's your interpretation. The FAI denies that. That's um, okay. And in terms of the redaction, what they did say, and, and you've, you've touched it there briefly, Brian, is that they did have a duty of care, is what they said to their junior employee, um, in terms of uh, identifying that person, and that's why the document was redacted. And it's a very simple thing to draw a black line through that person, two two marks through his, through his first name and his second name, or her, her or his first and second name. Simple. That's all they had to okay. do. Okay, uh, Orla McElroy, come back to yourself then on what Jonathan Hill said exactly about this throwaway remark and an awful lot of discussion back and forth between committee members when it came to that. Um, can you just remind us of exactly what he said and, and the reaction of committee members and what you think of it? Yes. Yeah, so he said um, within that response, I added a throwaway line to the junior employee. Can you negotiate the same for me? Question mark and then an exclamation mark. For me, this was clearly not a formal request. It was in an email back to the junior colleague. So apparently the exclamation mark was there to define the fact that this was a throwaway remark. I think the wisdom of putting this down in an email rather than, you know, making a crack or a joke to somebody's face is obvious here because it was clearly unclear because apparently then Roy Barrett acted upon this to go to other senior members of the FAI and decide that they should a Mr. Hill for his untaken holidays in contravention of the FAI's own guidelines to their staff. Okay, so that throwaway remark that Jonathan, Jonathan Hills claims it was a throwaway remark, can you get the same deal from me? That kicked off an entire process then, which led to him getting paid for his holidays. And was it clear to you, Orla, whether Jonathan Hill was aware that that process was taking place? Well, he insists that for a number of weeks he wasn't, that this process was ongoing between um, a HR director, a finance director and the previous chair, Roy Barrett, and that it was going on without his knowledge, that at some point it did come to his understanding and this was before the money was paid. And obviously then it did get paid to him and it was only uncovered when the cosy audit, which was commissioned by Sport Ireland, was carried out and they discovered that this money had been paid. I think Cormac Devlin today uh, had a very good line when he um, pointed out that it was a good thing that Jonathan Hill didn't ask for a private jet, considering mm. all his other requests were granted so easily. A number of committee members, Brian Stanley, said today that um, they didn't think that explanation from Jonathan Hill was credible. What, what did you think? Well, when, when you think about it, when you actually look at one of the emails that, that, that wasn't so heavily redacted, uh, you have, uh, you have the uh, head of HR, Liz, Liz, Liz Joyce, pointing out in it that in relation to cashing in, for want of a better term, cashing in holidays, 
um, built up holidays. She said normally it is, and reading directly from it, it is bad practice and it allows to allow employees to cash in holidays uh, as there is a statutory requirement to ensure that employees take minimum of 20 days holidays and that the employers have legal responsibility to, to ensure adequate breaks are taken and so on, right? And she clearly set that out in a in a, a substantial email back. And the fact that that was pushed to one side, ignored, uh, disregarded, is, is uh, um, I have to say, you know, it's very unusual. And I think, you know, by any, you know, expecting that this was just happened because of a throwaway mark, remark to a junior member of staff, it just lacks credibility. I mean... You know, I, I listened okay, carefully. Okay, so you're saying it lacks credibility, and a number of other committee members also said today that they didn't find the explanation credible. So, does the committee then have confidence in Jonathan Hill? I think this was a bad day for the for the FAI, uh, and it's a bad day for the uh, for the chief for the CEO. Um, the FAI it hasn't the reputation was damaged very badly going back four or five years ago, three, four or five years ago. Here you have an organisation that uh, gets substantial public funding. They're not under the remit, directly under the remit of the Control and Auditor General or the Public Accounts Committee. However, they are funded from the public purse. And what I would say is, is that they have launched a plan uh, for an extra 863 mm. million and the overall funding of 863 million, 517 of which they expect over the next 15 years from the government and from the taxpayer. And I think that an organisation coming in this morning to come in the way they've done it uh, and expecting the taxpayer uh, to write out the cheque I think uh, was, I think there was a bit of a brass neck involved in it, to be quite honest with you. But I'm not entirely sure what you're saying then. You're, you're not happy with how they approached it in, in terms of the information that they gave you and how they gave you the information and indeed the explanations that they gave you. But does that mean you have confidence in the ability of the organisation as, as it currently stands with the people who are in charge to spend taxpayers' money, significant amount of taxpayers' money? I'm not, I'm not fully confident from what from the documentation we received and what transpired at this morning's meeting of the Public Accounts Committee. I'm not fully confident, no. So where does that leave the FAI then? Well, it leaves the FAI. We will obviously, we may report on this. Uh, we may do a report on this. We may make recommendations. Ministers then, you know, either have to implement, ensure that these are implemented or in the minute of the minister to have to respond and say why they're not being implemented. But I think... They were before the court of public opinion this morning, mm. and uh, and I try and make sure that people get a fair hearing. I try and allow as chair of the committee that people will make mistakes, that there will be missteps. We all do them. We all we've all had them in our lives, and we have them every year. Let's none of us are, none of us are perfect. Yeah, and, and indeed but, that's what that's what FAI Chairman Tony Kohan uh, uh, characterised this as. He, he said there had been a slip up in relation to the holiday payment, but he said he had confidence in Hill and that the FAI mm-hmm. as an organisation is coming off a long way. The president. That. The president, the president of the uh, FAI, was not able to express confidence yeah. in the CEO today. It was put to him a number of times, and the president, you know, who's around the who's been around a long time, he was not able to publicly express confidence in the person sitting two chairs away from him, who is the CEO. That in itself, people will draw its own conclusions from that. What I would say to you is, it's not just this well, he's issue. Caveated, wasn't it? He said it was challenging. Uh, heavily caveated. Mm. Yes, he says it's challenging. But what I would say to you is this: that the it's, it's not just you know that's relatively small money, and I mean a lot of people, mm. your lot of your listeners will find it big money because they'd love to have twelve thousand extra in their pocket. But the bigger issues are around you know how to use COVID money. There's a number of other facts there. 
you know, the fact that they haven't uh, been able to get in within the terms of the MOU that was agreed and that was put in place to make sure that there was oversight there back okay. in 2020. Okay, I, and I, I, I want, to, like I want to hear from Orla on that actually because that came up Orla, didn't it, in relation to the use of COVID money. What did we hear about that from the FAI today? Yeah, so we heard that there was a million euro of the COVID resilience funding was spent um, paying down what was termed a legacy debt and that uh, that... Now, Dr. Una May of uh, Sport Ireland, she's the CEO of Sport Ireland, said that they were assured by the audit that the money was accurately spent. But I mean, there was a provision that um, the money that was given in COVID resilience funding was not to be spent paying down debt. Um, So it would seem at odds with that, that the FAI then went on to use some of this to pay down their debt. They have significant debt as an association. Now, it has been reduced in recent years from 63.5 million, but it Mm. still stands at 43 million. And that debt is a significant millstone, millstone around the association's neck. Mm. And and actually on that point, Brian, one of the issues or one of the reasons given for trying the 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 rush to pay down the debt is is that they're paying very high interest rates on that debt, and it's just the smart thing to do to try and get out from under that debt as quickly as possible to get back a financial you know steady financial footing. The criteria for the COVID uh, the COVID resilience money that was administered to organisations like like the FEI was not to pay down debts. That is clear. And we had an admission today that in the region of one million was used for that purposes. Um, and I think that there's a credit, there's a question as well to be asked here that at the same time as we're receiving 30, you know, in the three years to receive 33.7 million in, in the COVID resilience money, that they reduced their debts of 20 million. So it's fairly clear mm. that they wouldn't have been able to reduce their debts without the COVID money. And there's a, there's a big issue here as well around the COVID resilience funds, Sarah. And that is that if you take in 2020, they got 30, over 30 million in total from the government. But only 2.2 of that actually went to the grassroots clubs around the country who struggle every, every week and every month to pay their costs and to keep the clubs going and to keep young people uh, involved in sport. And, uh, you know, that doesn't sit right with me. 13 million for headquarters, 2.2 for the grassroots all those hundreds of clubs throughout the country during the during the period of COVID, where they were all struggling trying to keep the show on the road. Okay, um, Orla, final word to yourself. Then, all in all, not where the FAI wanted to be at all today, and and uh, they didn't get to talk about what they wanted to talk about. And, and there's all the other stuff going on that we've discussed in the show today: the sponsorship problems, the problems with the manager. Where to from here? Do you think for the FAI? Well, it's, it's just that, you know, it seems that constantly the football, which is supposed to be the core principle of the association, is being overshadowed by administrative and governance issues. I mean, yet again, we have uh, issues over pay and administrative problems overshadowing football. The women's team have a friendly tomorrow against Italy, which should be a great match. We're not hearing about that because we're hearing about the boardroom issues. Last year, when this issue first arose, it overshadowed the FAI Cup final. We're consistently having these problems whereby the FAI are putting out fires and dealing with issues relating to their governance or lack of, as the case may be. It's just not a great look for an association, which I'm sure has many members who would wish to be concentrating on football and not this interminable wrangling over governance. Okay, and we did uh, put in a request to the FAI for a spokesperson or a statement um, or response to the fact that a number of people um, uh, believe or have stated the fact that they don't think Jonathan Hill's uh, explanations today were credible, but we're told that the FAI are not making any further comment on the PAC meeting today. Thank you both very much for joining us. That's Orla McElroy and Brian Stanley. 